Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the How'd You Get Into That podcast. My name is Grant. Good to have you here. You're doing good. You're feeling good. You look good. When you look good, you feel good, right? All right. Anyway, hey, before we get into today's guest, we got a great show for you, great episode, great story for you today. But before we get into that, hey, I want to let you know, we've had a bunch of people that have reached out to us uh, over the past several months just saying, hey, I'd be interested in some type of accountability, some type of kick in the pants, you know, businesses, maybe you're, you're doing your own deal or you just need some, uh, again, you need some clarity. Maybe you just need some help figuring out business or how to grow your business or how to get unstuck uh, with your business or making a transition, whatever it is. And people have been asking for some coaching. We, we haven't really offered it. So, uh, but we've had enough people offer. We're like, all right, let's do it. It's a new year. We're ready to, to help some people get going. So we are opening up a limited number of spots. We have a uh, 10 spots available. They've several of them have already been spoken for and taken up. So, uh, if you are interested in coaching and working with us one-on-one, this is your opportunity, my friend, you can get more information at grandbaldoncom slash coaching. Again, that's grandbaldoncom slash coaching. I would encourage you to check that out. If you were looking for some, uh, some life and business assistance there, uh, whatever you you're wrestling with. We want to help you to figure out what those pain points are, figure out what the, what you're trying to get some help with and figure out how do we actually take action on those things. All right. Enough about that jazz. Let's get to today's interview. We got my friends, uh, Warren and Betsy Talbot of the blog married with luggage. They have an insane story of, uh, of basically like, okay, what kind of life do we want to have? How do we make that happen? And then they, they, did it. And this isn't like, oh, we want to get a different house or we want a nicer car. No, like this is hardcore, insane life change. So excited to share their story and journey with you today. So let's get into it, my friends. Here's my interview with Warren and Betsy of marriedwithluggage.com. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another delightful episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friends Warren and Betsy Talbot, uh, who are are just touring the world and living everybody else's fantasy. So I'm excited to uh, get into their story and journey. They run a a blog and a website and podcast called Married With Luggage. And so we're going to be talking about their story and uh, journey today about how they got into uh, being able to travel the world and uh, share their story with with the rest of the world. So uh, Warren, Betsy, thanks for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Hey, it's great hey, to be here. fantastic to be here. We could not be better. We were talking a little bit before, and uh, you guys are semi-settled in Spain right now. Is that correct? Well, it's hard to beat the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we bought a place in southern Spain after four years of travel, and we spent about half the time here writing and the rest of the time traveling. So your blog right now, Married with Luggage, is it just the blog? I know you, I saw you also have a podcast, too. Give us an overview of your, of your business, what all you guys are involved in. Yeah, so what primarily started, it started off as kind of a travel blog and documenting the process of selling everything we own to travel the world. And then it morphed into more of a kind of a, an introspective of our relationship and how it evolved over time through four years of travel and what that did to our relationship, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And now it is more of a, a representation of the life that we've created and the going after the dream that you want. You know, I think what most people find fascinating about what we've done is is not that we're so fascinating, although I'd like to think we are, <laughs> but I think it's that we made a big change in our life at 40, which is there's not a lot of information out there for people our age. You know, there's a lot of 20-somethings, gap year kind of a things, and a lot of retiree things, but, you know, when it comes to, to making a big change in a life and in a relationship, we're one of the few at this age. 
Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, obviously the older that you get, the more you have at stake or the more dependence you may have or the more like the more entrenched you are in it. You know, and sometimes there's a lot of people I talk to uh, in all stages who just feel like I feel trapped. You know, I'm too deep in to be able to pull the ripcord and try to do something else. But obviously you guys didn't feel that enough to be able to uh, to jump out and try something different. How has all of this travel over the past several years? Uh, you said that, that your the blog has kind of evolved into really talking about your relationship and marriage. How has that affected your, your marriage? get the good, bad, ugly. Well, it's definitely since we left. I mean, we had traditional jobs beforehand. Betsy had her own company and I worked at a large technology company and we were very successful in what we did, but something was missing. And so what was missing was really identified kind of a few years into our relationship when we realized that our jobs had a much higher priority on our relationship. So we were well on the path. We knew the path to divorce and how to make that happen. And so we had to get off of that treadmill. How quickly did you realize that you were you were on that path? Well, unfortunately, it wasn't fast enough. It was at the point where we had to make some really dramatic changes in our relationship because, you know, once you head down the path where you've said, my job is more important than you, mm-hmm. you've created some distance between your partner. And <laughs> yeah, you. you think? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> so we realized that, you know, unfortunately not fast enough, but soon enough to where we could step back from the brink, put the brakes on and make some some changes to make our relationship the highest priority. And I think that's what's really given us the basis uh, for being able to do what we've done is that we made all those changes in the U.S. You know, we moved cross country, we got new jobs, we made commitments to each other, we changed our lifestyle. All those things happened first. So when we got the urge to travel after some really severe health crises and people close to us, we looked at each other and said, hey, we've done this once before. This is just a bigger move. Yeah. And I like the way you kind of frame that of, of dealing with it while you're in the States before you, you took off. Cause I think sometimes we feel like, well, if only I had a different job, then my life would be better. Or if only I could move to that city, then my life would improve. If only I could travel the world, well, then everything would be solved. And it's like, nah, that's moving or, or, or changing scenery may not necessarily solve the problem. If you still haven't addressed the, the issue that, that may reside within. Well, that was our problem. We had to change our lifestyle. We had to change our commitment. We changed a lot of things outside of our jobs and location. And that's what made the difference in our relationship, not where we were. Yeah. And I would say that the the challenge is that once we went on the road, it opened up a whole new level of concerns and problems because we spend 24 seven a day. I mean, that's it. Every single week, seven days a week, we're together. So for four years, we've spent two nights apart. And that's pretty much the extent of the time that we spend separate. So you have to be ready for that and build your relationship up for it. Because if you just leap off into the unknown, it can be pretty ugly. Well, we thought we were ready for it and we weren't even oh, ready we for fight, it. Yeah. <laughs> we felt like crazy and we continue to do so. We're still in a relationship, but we've gotten good at it, which is the key. I was going to say, you sound like you like each other right now, but as soon as we hang up, then you're going your, oh, to your se- oh, yeah. head to your separate rooms and head to your corners. I'm just making notes as we go of all the things I want to fight about later. <laughs> so you know, Warren does bring a really good point up. We do fight really well. That's what happens when you're in close quarters and in transit all the time. You learn how to fight fast and fight really well and get over it. Get it, get it over with and move on. Let's backtrack. Betsy, you said you had a, a business, Warren. You said that you were working kind of a tech job. What were you guys doing before? Before that, I was, well, the business that I had was helping women-owned businesses with their marketing. And before that, I was in a healthcare technology company. 
And I worked for a large technology company. I was a director and did the, you know, I helped people define, helped our corporation define who to buy and sell. So it was a, a large responsibility and it was very successful. And I loved what I did. We both loved what we did, but we realized that there was something more in life that we wanted. But at the time, I have to be honest, I really loved my job. We didn't have a bad life at all. I, no. I have to say it was, we could have gone on just like that, I think. It wasn't the dream, but it was something that was, you know, we had nice friends and a nice place and everything about it was was good. All right. Let's talk about that for a second, because you're living the the proverbial American dream. Everything's going well. You like your jobs. You're making good money. You're successful. What's not to like? So how is it? Does it reach a point where finally you're like, everything's going well, like there's nothing to not like. There'd be anybody that would die to have this kind of life. So why was it then that you felt the need to, to make some type of change? Well, that was exactly it. My 35-year-old brother had a heart attack. And then a good friend of ours, about a year later, also 35, had a brain aneurysm. And thankfully, both of them are fine. But at that moment, we looked at each other and said, how would we change our lives if we knew we wouldn't make it to our 40th birthdays? And at the time, we were both 37. And we just started thinking about all the things we wanted to do before we leave this all planet. All those dreams that we had, those ideas, and you know, kind of it crystallized it as our friend was in the hospital. And we didn't know whether she was going to live or die. And you know, here she is about the same age as us. And we had to ask and determine, what would we do if we just weren't going to continue to go on living? And it was that night, actually, over dinner and a few margaritas, that we had the the ultimate kind of decision and decided that we wanted to travel. It was our dream when we retired to go and travel the world. It was what we loved to do. And so we just fast forwarded that by 20 years and put a plan in place the next day and went off and made it happen. All right, let's backtrack a little bit though. So whenever these people that are close to you have these health scares, you know, it's one thing to like come together and talk about, whoa, wow, that's um boy, this is hits a little close to home and but then it's really easy to go back into the rut and to just continue as as if nothing happened. So I, I guess I'd have two questions for that. Like one, like how do you just decide like, no, 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 like we have to do something. We can't just let this affect us and then just move on with life. Like we have to make some changes. Uh, and then the other question I'd wonder is is obviously, you know, it's would you have made those types of changes had those health scares not happened close to you? I'm thinking for like, if I'm listening to this and I haven't had anyone close to me or I haven't had some type of, you know, whether it be a health crisis or, or financial crisis or, or relational crisis, how do you make some of those like significant changes without the crisis to trigger it? You know what I mean? Well, I think the first, when my brother had his heart attack, we we were scared, but we didn't think like this. I yeah. think it was the succession of, of our friend yeah, afterward that kind of pushed it. Yeah, because when your brother had the heart attack, I think you and I looked at each other and it it shook some things for us, but it was much more of the fear of losing him than it was the fear of not reaching our dream. Yeah, right? I didn't think about our lifestyle goals, but when our friend got sick. But we kind of, we made some decisions and we talked about it, but then we never follow, followed no, through on we any didn't. of it. No, we didn't. We had we good intentions. We went right back to our yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, and then when our friend got, had her brain aneurysm, that was such a huge shock. They had life. She and her husband had a life that was almost identical to ours. You know, good jobs. He and I worked together. Really, you know, this life that it was really all encompassing with friends and with eating out and really a rich, wonderful life. When she got sick, then it really, I think, shook us to the core. 
But I, without that, going back to your question, I honestly say I don't think we would have changed our life. I don't know. One thing that is is kind of important to consider here is this all happened in 2008 when we made the decision to, to make this happen. And right after that, as you will recall, the economy went down the toilet. Right. So I don't know if we would have sort of freaked out at that moment with the financial crisis yeah. or not, because we, we, I mean, it impacted us just like it did everyone else. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I think that that was being aware of it because no other of their friends changed their lives. No one else around them really, nothing, everyone went back to quote unquote normal. Right. We were the ones that stepped outside of it. So for some reason, a confluence of events and a passion, we asked ourselves that one question. And I would argue that for us, the ability to ask yourself the question of what would you do if you weren't going to live until your next major birthday, whatever that zero is that's coming up in your life, that was the one that changed it for us. And it was so easy. Now, it will also say, Grant, that it helps with a couple margaritas. That was my next question. So let's talk about that restaurant experience. And, and it's, you know, again, it's one thing to sit around and talk like, you know, it'd be fun to sell everything and travel the world. But what is that conversation like? And maybe it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's the margaritas talking. But how did, like how does that conversation go between you guys? Well, we were with some friends and we were we all knew the woman who was in the hospital. We were all friends with her. She was still there and we were getting a little melancholy, you know, kind of how it is on a on a long weekend and you know, having a few drinks and I think that's what brought the whole thing up. At first it was kind of a serious conversation and then it started getting lighthearted as everyone started talking about what they would do. And it was good cuz we had friends there and so they you know, we all talked about the idea of taking a year off and travel in the world. And so that was the original idea. That in and of itself was so freaking scary that none of us knew how much it was going to cost, what you would do, what the process would be, nothing. But then immediately once you start doing it, you start feeding on each other. You start giving ideas. Oh, well, I w I've always wanted to see Fiji and I've always wanted to go to China and I've always wanted to go to South America. So the, the idea kind of gathers steam much faster than we expected. And through the course of the evening, by the time we left, we were inebriated, excited and <laughs> thinking about the future. So you wake up the next morning and you, you may have a headache for a variety of different reasons, but <laughs> what does the conversation go? What, what are your, some of your next steps? Because again, it's one thing to be like, you know, to be all amped up and excited and all right, this is our next step. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> but then like reality hits and like tomorrow you got to go to work or tomorrow, like tomorrow, like real life is back. So what are some of those next steps to begin to transfer that conversation into reality? Well, you know, we were so giddy going home the night before we, we were walking. We're, we didn't live too far from the restaurant. And I remember going to bed that night thinking, what a great night this has been. The next morning, I woke up, as you said, with a little bit of a headache and Warren wasn't in bed. And I thought, well, where is he? And I got up, walked downstairs. He's sitting at the kitchen table, laptop open in front of him. And he looks up and I say, you know, good morning. Do you remember what we talked about last night? And he said, yep, already on it. <laughs> and so I started planning it. By the time, by the end of the first day, that next day, we had already defined a, the date we were going to leave. We had a website picked out and we started planning where we wanted to go in the world. Because our experience over the last several years before that together is that in order to go after a dream, we had to put deadlines in place. We had to identify a budget and we had to take steps. Little steps, they're tiny steps, but they were steps that needed to be taken. And so we just decided to start doing that. We sat down and we spent that entire day, it happened to be Labor Day of 2008. And so we sat down and spent that entire day laboring, if you will, over our dream. And we had it planned out and we executed that plan 
to the day. I mean, it's perfect, perfectly placed. Same, we saved the right amount of money. We did it all, and it all started that morning. How do you even figure out how much money to save to travel a year? And, and there's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of logistical things of, you know, your jobs, what happens to them, you know, your house, do you sell, do, do you, all of your stuff? So walk us through what some of those first steps are that you take to begin to, to make that, that shift. Well, the first thing that you have to do that we had to do was determine a date when we could leave and a rough idea of how much it was going to cost. Because like you, like most people, right, we didn't have a clue what it was going to cost. So the idea was I we did some research. Luckily, there's some, you know, there were only two or three websites of people that had posted how much it costs at this point. And so we went out and we made a rough estimate and we said, OK, we think we can do it for somewhere between I think our first estimate was it was grossly high. Well, the first figure I had was one million dollars, yeah. which was obviously out of the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> and so but instead of letting that discourage us, we started doing more research. And we that first day, I think our budget came out to be maybe two hundred and fifty dollars a day or something like that, which was still outside still the range. outside the range. But it was still at least we had a number. So for us, that first day was all about just getting a rough idea of everything, not being discouraged and then narrowing it down. And so that's kind of where we started. And then from there, that night, I think by the end of the night, we had all these questions that we had not answered yet, but they were the questions you mentioned, which is what are we going to do with our job? What are we going to do with our house? All this stuff. We didn't answer any of those questions that day. That day was all about just being giddy, wallowing in the excitement. We, t- we spent a lot of hours talking about where we would want to go. But I think the key for any decision of this magnitude for us was making sure that we kept our excitement. So that was not trying to get wallowed and all the reason to talk ourselves out of it. It was all the reasons why we wanted to do it and why it was the right thing. Yeah, and I think that's why this your your story is so relatable in so many different ways. Because you know, there's plenty of people that may enjoy the idea of traveling the world, but there's also plenty of people who their big risk would be to I want to leave my job and start a business, or I want to just move across the country to chase a dream, or you know, even just to take a month off to do some type of travel. You know, so whatever that is, you know, it's one thing to talk about and get excited about. It's another thing to like sit down and that won't magically happen just because we talked about it at <laughs> dinner one night. You know, I, no, like I have not. to actually create a plan. I have to actually create some type of, of structure to figure out how do I get from point A to point B. And, and again, that's the case with any type of, of dream or goal that you may have. Yep. And I think that those little steps, taking one step a day, you know, there was a, I always love this song. Betsy's going to love it because I'm going to sing on your podcast, but oh my there's, a, there's a song <laughs> from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it is this little elf that wants to go forward and wants to be a dentist and he can't figure out how to do it. So they tell, you know, they tell him he has to just put one foot in front of the other <laughs> before you know it. Yeah. And it just goes on like this. You can edit that out, can't yeah. you? Betsy, you're a lucky, lucky lady. <laughs> <laughs> but this was, but the idea was that we applied the same exact simple logic, which was take little steps consistently. We never took any big steps in this process. Everyone thinks that we just suddenly sold everything and walked out the door. But every day for two years, we sold one item. Every day for two years, we we saved maybe $5, $10, $20. That's the way that you do something of this magnitude. And whether it's starting a business or whether it's leaving your job to travel, whatever, Making little decisions every day leads to big, major, massive changes in your life. And that's the thing that people don't understand. You know, it's not like you go on a diet and you're going to lose 10 pounds in, right. in, in one week. But if you consistently make better food choices, you're going to lose 10 pounds permanently over a not very long period of time. And it works the exact same way with dreams. It's that little everyday stuff. And so I think the most important thing, at least in our process, right. was the motivation and keeping ourselves motivated for two years of doing these small 
steps because I think people get tired of, yeah. of making little sacrifices or, or doing these little things when, when the goal is so far off. And I think that was probably the hardest thing for us. Yeah, that was one of my next questions was, so it sounds like Labor Day 2008, you, you put it all on the calendar. And so the plan would be two years later? Yes. It was October 1st. It just so happened to, like, like with a lot of people, right? We had bonuses that came out for our business in September. So it made it easy that I would give my notice September 15th. And then October 1st, that two years later, I would leave. And so that was just, it just so happened to fall within um, when bonuses came out for the business. That, all, that always helps things a bit. Yes. <laughs> that little bonus is always important. So, I mean, yeah, like you, Betsy, like you were just saying, like two years from now, yeah, I'm just thinking in my own world, like two years from now, if I'm like, wow, I'll get this huge huge, audacious goal that I'm going to pursue. Two years is still a long freaking way away. So how do you, like you're saying, like whenever it comes to financially, you're saving, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a day, but you've got 700 plus days of doing that. So how do you not get discouraged? How do, like how many times along the way are you just like, this is just a pipe dream. What are we doing? Let's grow up and let's go back to our real jobs and be big kids. So how do you like kind of wrap your mind around how far away it is and how much you have to go to get there? We wrote about this a lot in our first book, which is called Dream, Save, Do. And in that book, we wrote, there's a concept that we applied, which is called Phrase to Save. And we applied this first when we were walking through, we were walking through our little town, Fremont, which is a neighborhood of Seattle. And as we're walking through, Betsy sees, I think, a pair of earrings or a necklace. It was something. a necklace. It was a necklace and she loved <laughs> she it. She still vividly remembers I that necklace. It. <laughs> and she desperately wanted it. And she looked at me and, you know, kind of with those eyes that, you know, most any married man has seen before yes. and you want to give it to her. And so I, if just you looked, weren't there, I would have totally bought it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when I turned to her and I said, okay, that necklace is a hundred dollars would, by this time we had kind of mapped out what our budget would be. And it was a hundred dollars a day. And I said, would you rather have that necklace or spend a day in Thailand or a day in Mexico or a day in Peru, which would you rather have? Because that's the trade-off that you're making here. And that, <laughs> That right there was the way that we got through two years was every single thing that we wanted to buy. It didn't matter what it was, honestly, a dinner, a pizza, anything that was going to cost more than our than the budget we had allocated. We asked ourselves, would we rather have this or a day traveling the world together? Well, and the opposite works, too. When you start seeing your savings stack up, yeah. it's no longer ten thousand dollars in the bank or twenty thousand dollars in the bank. That's, you know. Now, see, I can't even do the math. Now, <laughs> now that's, you know, 2,000 days on the road, you know, that's, that, that's a long time of traveling. See, I can't even do the you math anymore. 200. That's good. <laughs> well, close enough. We'll round up. Something like that. But no, it, it's a great way to look both at, you know, to curtail your spending, your unnecessary spending, as well as to look at what you've already done. Because once that starts bulking up, it's a lot easier to stay on track. It's what's really hard is in that very beginning when you don't have have any money and savings yet, and you're still working to make that happen, that's when it's hard when you could easily spend it on something else. But when it gets to yeah. be a certain amount, then you start thinking, oh yeah, we're making traction. I think yeah. it's really important that you look at the at the daily amount because whatever your thing is, whether it's a business, you know, if you want a business, I think it's important to say, I've now saved enough to, you know, on every hundred dollars is another chair for the conference room or another month that I'm going to be able to run my business. Whatever that is, Breaking it down into something that is manageable and bite-sized is much easier because the magnitude of numbers of ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars in savings is too difficult. You need to celebrate the wins every day. That, and that's the same thing about time too. You can't think in three years I'm going to have right. this this thing happen. You're going to think, oh, today I hit my goal, 
so that I can make it in three years. But you have to think about it in those small manageable chunks or it just gets too overwhelming. I love the way that you guys frame that, that you just, it reminds me of, um, uh, I've done a couple of marathons and some long distance races. And so that, that first like mile, you're just like, oh man, I got, I got 25 more of these to go. And I don't feel, like, <laughs> but then like you get closer and closer. You're like, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm going to, I might die, but I'm going to make it. And so you, it, it changes your perspective as you go. And so, yeah, the, one of the toughest steps is one of those first steps, but yeah, that's how you, that's how you start that snowball that begins to build and build and grow. So let me ask you this. So you get towards October 1st two years later, uh, are you thinking at the, are, like, are there any second guessing, any doubts going through your heads? Like, are we sure? Do we need to just like, let's just take the savings and go blow it? Or what are you thinking? <laughs> well, we never had those doubts until the day that we actually left. <laughs> it gets really like, real. It yeah, gets- I would say that, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I had doubts. I would say that I had concerns about leaving my career, but not doubts about the where we were going. Yeah. Well, the day that we woke up to leave, you know, we thought everything was in place, house had been sold, money had saved, friends said goodbye, all of those good things. We find out that the place we're going is having a political coup. Yeah, Ecuador was having, they were trying to overthrow <laughs> the government that day. So, And we were like, okay, we're, we're, we're flying into this and we've already spent our money, on our mileage points on these tickets. You know, what are we going to do? And then we started looking at each other saying, you know, this is just crazy. We should just stay here. This, I mean, what are we thinking that we're, we're up for this kind of a thing, flying into a coup in South America? And then we... I don't know. We just kind of got this Zen moment and just said, you know, we've done all this work up to this point. If we can do this, this first step, just like the first step of saving for all of this, if we can get through this, we can do anything. And so we did it. We were very fortunate. We had a lot of good friends and a lot of support from family and the people that were close to us. Those helped us get through those difficult moments. There were challenging moments. Never, I wouldn't say they were ever regrets. I would say they were times where you just get really stressed out. You get stressed out about the unknown. And luckily it never happened at the same time, which is one of the strengths of our relationship is one of us gets the ability, we kind of give each other permission. Only one of us can freak out at a time. Let it out. So, so whoever yeah, calls it gets it. That, so that, <laughs> that's the way we managed for two years. So we did a lot of freaking out, but never at the same time. It sounds like you guys had a lot of support, but at the same time, were there people that were kind of like, are you guys sure about this? Have you thought that like well-meaning, well-intentioned friends, family, loved ones that are like, you know, I mean, if you go, we're going to miss you for the holidays and we want to be able to see you and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Are you getting any of that or is it just 100% universal support? Oh, no, God, we no. we got we got that from day one. There were people who see, and this is the thing that you eventually learn when you make any kind of big life change. It doesn't matter what it is. When people say these kinds of things to you, it's always about them. It's never about you. And it took us a while to figure that out. But once you do, you can let it roll off a little bit better. But you know, when they say, "Aren't you scared about how dangerous it is?" or "Aren't you afraid of walking away from your job?" or "Won't you miss your mother?" you know, or that more, kind of or stuff. Or even more direct and more derogatory was you know, you're making a horrible choice in your life. This is so stupid and selfish. Those are all comments we got from family and friends. And so, but the truth is, is that we can't really spend our time worrying about what they're going to think. We had to move past that because it's our dream. It's not their dream. And that's probably the realization that, that came to us 
years later, frankly, but you know, when we decided that this is what we wanted to do, we're not asking anyone else to change their lives. But I think some of our friends who we lost in the process felt like we were making some kind of determination for them because they weren't doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think by the time you hit 40, you should be able to realize that you're not ever going to please a hundred percent of the people and you should be okay with that. Right. Right. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you take off October 1st and the plan was for just one year and then you're going to come back and settle back in. Go right back. Yeah. Well, that was originally the plan when we left that night from the bar. Yes. So w- once you and from even then uh, October 1st, you take off, you head down to the uh, the crazyville down in Ecuador. Uh, are you thinking that is the plan still a year or are you just kind of like, well, we'll just kind of see what happens? At that point, it was five years. By the time we left, we had saved enough money to travel for five years. And the idea was to travel for some amount of that, whether it was three years or five years, it really didn't matter. But we had kind of a rough idea of what we were going to do with our life for a few years. Yeah, we're going to have this big adventure and then we're going to go back and quote unquote, settle down. And yeah, we had saved up. We kind of had a reentry fund Mm -hmm. and that's what we kind of fell back on. So that was our the big idea the day we left. Okay, and then I was going to say, though, that so whenever you're at the restaurant, though, it's one year. How did it become five years? Well, as you go along in a process like this, you get really excited and motivated. And this is the thing about taking action on your dream, whatever your dream is, things that you don't know about, things that you can't even imagine happening at that moment will open up for you later on. And so what happened was we for us, you know, one year became two years because we started realizing that it was a lot cheaper than we originally thought to travel around the world. And we were more motivated. So we started saving more money than we thought possible. So we started cutting a lot of expenses out and doing a lot of things, selling a lot of stuff because then we decided we weren't going to live in the house anymore. So we sold the house that made us more money. So all of these things kind of spiraled to where it allowed us to make it a longer adventure. It's crazy how like once you actually start taking action on some type of significant dream or goal, how things do in some way start to fall into place and unexpected things start to happen in a good way. And you're like, wow, you know, we are talking about one year and one year turned into five. Why? Because some things just started. We started getting excited and some things started really falling into place to make that more more possible. Well, and it's also a teamwork mentality because I think between the two of us, even though we had repaired a lot of the damage to our relationship, we weren't really that super partnership yet. Correct. And once you start working on a goal like this with your significant other, I mean, it brings up some magic that you didn't even know existed and bigger things can happen. I mean, when you've got two brains working together on something like this, it's, you know, it's a one plus one equals three kind of a deal. Let me ask you this for people that may be listening to this, who whether in a variety of different stages of life. So uh, it sounds like you guys had, you had well-paying jobs and it's just that you don't have any kids, right? No. Correct. So for someone that may be listening to this, who may be a single without maybe a well-paying job or someone that's married with kids or at various stages of life. And again, you guys were, you mentioned that you were in your late thirties. So, so you are also deep in your careers. There's a million reasons why someone would come up with a like excuse why they couldn't travel or why they couldn't take some significant leap. So what would you say to them about just kind of overcoming those mental barriers? Well, I would say that, you know, I found that most of the mental barriers that we have in our lives are self-imposed. We meet people all the time of all ages, of all family situations, traveling around the world, making businesses, doing all kinds of creative things. So I've not yet seen any type of family, person, age, situation that won't make it in this lifestyle. And if that's true for this, think of how true it is for starting your own business or taking up a new hobby or going on a health plan. I mean, whatever it is, 
your big goal might be. And I think that the first, you know, for me, I like action. So the action step one is research. Sit down and find out exactly how much it costs to do what you want to do. You know, if you want to go to rodeo clown school or you want to start your own business or whatever that dream that you have that you want to do, but you've talked yourself out of it because it's too expensive, it'll take too much time, it'll take too much experience, go and research it. The best thing about the internet these days is you can find out everything. Give yourself a week and just research it and define exactly what it's going to do because I find most of the time that you can talk yourself into something by finding out the facts versus assuming you can't do it and talking yourself out of it. Well, and I know for me, it's always the action piece too. If I start taking little actions toward the goal that I want, I mean, it's just like all the books that we've published. I mean, we didn't start out to have our own little publishing company, but you know, now we do. And if you would have told me that a few years ago, I would have thought you were crazy, but it's that one little step, the next little step, the next little step. And pretty soon you realize that you're doing that thing that you never thought you could do. And the last thing, Grant, and I just to take a moment is give yourself permission to do the thing that you want to do, Mm. because we all, most of us, you know, if you grew up in in a, in America, for example, you ended up with this idea of you're supposed to work every day until you retire and then retire and go to Florida. And that's your life. That's it. It has been preordained for you. Give yourself permission to do whatever the hell you want. And stepping outside of that, once you realize it and feel the freedom that it'll give you, it's going to open up the possibility so much more because you'll no longer feel that constraint that you're supposed to do something. And I think that of all, whether it's money or kids or whatever it is that you feel are your constraints, that last one is the hardest one to overcome. And it was for us, for sure. Drop the mic. That was gorgeous. I'm out. Well said, well said. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. We'll kind of wrap up with this. Obviously, guys, you saved a bunch along the way to prepare for that. But you also have a blog now and you've got the podcast and books and various things. So is this kind of helped supplement what you guys are doing today? It's the only way that we live today. We actually took the reentry fund that was the money for, you know, that we had to come back to the U.S. We used that to buy a house in Spain. And we took all the other money and it is now in our retirement fund. We we don't touch it until we, well, until 20 years from now when we retire. And so for us, this is how we live. We continue to publish books and, you know, that gives us enough money to live and to have the life that we have now. And, and a funny side note on all this, you know, all those years ago when we thought we couldn't afford to do this and we now... We now spend a fraction. And when Uh, I mean a fraction, I mean a literal fraction (laughs) of what we used to to live in the United States. And so, uh, you know, life doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to. Yeah, I would say that. And just say, you know, I know this isn't the money thing, but we published a website where we tracked all of our expenses for the first three years of traveling around the world. And that we can give it to you on the show notes if you want. But that particular website is the, you know, what gave us the motivation and helps others to go off and realize this is a lot cheaper than you thought. Very cool. Yeah. Tell you what, go ahead and give us that website. And, and while you do that, I know that you guys also have, uh, since you mentioned you got a couple different books, you got a new book that just recently came out. Where can we find out more about you guys, your story, your journey? And if we want to check out some of the, the books that you've got, where can we go? You can find links to everything at marriedwithluggage.com. The books are available in ebook and print format through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all your favorite online resellers. And of course, we'd love it if you'd listen to our podcast every Wednesday. And the um, the website where we wrote all of our expenses at rtwexpenses.com. We tracked it for three years and you can get a sense of exactly how much we spent. I'm intrigued. I, I don't know if I do or don't want my wife to listen to this episode. So <laughs> we, will, 
we we're a we love adventure and we love travel. We've got three little girls, so uh, we'll we'll see where this conversation ends up. Right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make it even worse. I'm actually going to send you links to people that are traveling with three, four, five, and six children. Oh boy, here we go. All right. Well, I look forward. <laughs> I look forward to that. I think. I think we'll see. Well, Warren, Betsy, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share your story and journey with uh, with uh, how'd you get into that audience. Really does mean a lot. We uh, commend you guys for what you're doing. Hopefully, uh, this will inspire and encourage other people to continue to uh, take significant leaps in their own journey uh, as they figure out what it is that they want to do with life. So cheers to you guys. Appreciate the time. Thank you. It Thank was you great. so much, Grant. Really enjoyed the time. All right. I told you. I told you it was good. I told you that their story was amazing. I told you what they were doing was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, it's just... I came away from that interview and I told my wife, I was like, okay, listen to what these crazy people did. They made a plan. They figured out what they wanted to do with their life. And then they did it. And it was a really cool plan. And now they're living a life that a lot of people would fantasize about, but they actually made it happen. And it wasn't like they won the lottery. It wasn't like they're anything special. It wasn't like they did anything unusual. They figured out what they wanted in life. They made a plan. And then they did it. Is that it? Is that really all that there is to having a life that you really, really love is figuring out what you want, gaining clarity on that, creating a plan for it, and then actually doing it and taking action on it? Ah, oh, so, so good there. So hope you enjoyed that. Hey, if you want to check out their blog, you can go to marriedwithluggage.com. Again, that's marriedwithluggage.com. Or to make it simpler for you, you can go to grantbalden.com. There you can find the show notes and links, everything that we discussed from today's episode and check that out there as well. But really, really great stuff. I love I love one of the, the big things that just stood out in my mind from them was uh, everything is possible with a plan. You know, traveling around the world for a year is crazy, but it's not when you sit down and create a plan. Because once you have a plan, it becomes real. Then you just start taking small incremental steps towards accomplishing that plan. Just start small, but create the plan, create and understand where you're going and then break it down. So uh, really great stuff. Warren, Betsy, if you're listening, thanks for sharing your story, your journey with us. Really, really great stuff. Hey, two other quick things I want to let you know about. One is uh, a lot of people know that my my career uh, for the past several years has been as a, as a speaker. I've been traveling around, speak to, I spoke at last year, spoke I think at 67 different events all around primarily the US and uh, a lot of different conferences, uh, events. And and so I would, I've, I have a lot of people that ask me about, hey, how do I get into speaking? How do I get started? I would love to do it. Some people that want to do speaking full time, other people that are like, I would love to speak at, you know, five events or 10 events within my niche or my industry. Uh, and so I want to be able to help you with that. So we did a webinar a couple months ago. We're going to do it another one coming up here next week. So I would love for you to be a part of our webinar. We're going to be talking about uh, getting booked as a speaker. How do you figure out what your fees are? Just a lot of stuff just to kind of get you going. And so I would love for you to be a part of it. It's a totally free webinar. Uh, you can go to grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Again, that's grantbaldon.com slash webinar and uh, register for that. That's going to be uh, next week. So you got a limited time. I don't want you to miss out on it. So make sure that you register again, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Don't miss out on that. If you have any interest at all, in uh, speaking or becoming a speaker, uh, this is a place to get you started. 
Also, uh, I mentioned last episode, we're doing a, um, a survey right now. We'd love to get some feedback from you about the podcast. What do you like? What do you not like? What would you like change? Uh, what do you want to see more of? What are some, maybe some people that you want to have? You'd love to hear their stories. How can we best help you and serve you? Uh, so if you would, go to grantbaldon.com slash survey. Again, that's grantbaldon.com slash survey. There you'll find that short survey. Uh, it's very, very short, very brief. I promise it'll take you no more than a couple minutes. And uh, we'd love, love, love to get some feedback from you uh, about the, the podcast and how, again, we can, we can best help you. To incentivize you, we are going to be doing a, a giveaway for an Amazon gift card uh, for someone that fills it out and completes a survey. So you got a chance to win that. So don't, don't miss out on that. All right. Hey, I think that, that, uh, that wraps up this episode. As always, feel free to email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Baldwin. Would love to hear from you. Let me know how you're doing, how life is going, what you got planned for 2015. Uh, maybe even after hearing this episode, hearing this interview with, with Warren and Betsy, maybe you're like, okay, I've got a big plan that I'm thinking about. About this big, audacious, hairy goal that I've been pondering and wrestling with. And after hearing them, I'm a little more intrigued about making it happen. Email me. Let me know. I'm curious. I want to know how this interview helped you and maybe what you're considering or pondering now. So uh, let me know uh, what you're up to and how I can uh, help you and support you. All right. That wraps up this episode, boys and girls. Hope you have a good one. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.